and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. Galatians chapter 2 verse 6 to 16. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. This is Paul speaking. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was committed, well, was to Peter. For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. Now we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. Now when Peter had to come to Antioch, I would stood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also prayed the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the matter of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith in Jesus Christ. Even when we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this, again, this, this privilege and opportunity to learn more about your will and your ways. And for us to be able to apply it in our life, in our Christian life, Lord, for us to walk that straight and narrow, to be holy just like as you are holy. Father, I pray for wisdom, Lord God. Speak through me, Father, once again to your people tonight. Let you and you alone speak, Father. Override my preparations, Lord God. But at the same time, Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit and all your people be the one to open the eyes of their hearts and minds so that they will understand and accept your message for them. Lord, forgive us for all of our sins. Remove any and all distractions that uh, will prevent us from learning you and your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, tonight seemed to be going uh, faster than uh, our schedule. But, uh, oh, Pastor Charles, but don't count your um, uh, eggs while they're hatched, right? Because I tend to, to stand, extend the preaching when I feel like you had enough, uh, you know, if the thing ended earlier. I don't know if I was making sense there. Anyway, our title is uh, Raise Your Hand If You're Humble. Please raise your hand if you are humble. <laughs> there you go. The hardest thing about humility is the minute you accept that you have it, you just lost it. Right? Right? You just lost it. You know, I had a, I had a nicer, I think. No, I don't. This, this, this title um, was, was uh, suggested by Anna Lou. Because the, the, the theme of the verse really is, is humility. As we tackle these next verses, um, what I saw is the humility of Peter. The humility of Peter. And the love of Paul to the Lord. And the truth. So, let's begin. Here's our introduction. First Peter 5-6. to six. Five, Chapter 5, 5-6. to six. The person that will be rebuked is, is Peter, correct? If you already know, if you listened earlier, he's the one that was rebuked by Paul. So Peter has this to say. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. 
All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. That's Proverbs 3.34 and also James 4.6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you in due time. Pride blinds us of our mistakes. Amen? Because the minute you think you know everything, you just revealed everything that you don't know. Right? Errors can make us, if, if, if we're prideful, the mistakes and errors we're not willing to listen to or hear it. I don't want to hear it. I'm right, you're wrong. Right? This is, it prevents us from being teachable. And believers, we need to be Teachable. Amen? Okay. Some. Yes. Amen. That's fine. The, it's not the quantity. It's the quality. <laughs> the, we know that the minute we think we know everything, we already failed. The minute we think we don't make mistakes makes us such a stubborn person and an unpleasing person to deal with. Every believer must have humility. Every believer must have humility. For you to be a believer, you admitted the fact that you are not perfect and you need a Savior, which is Jesus Christ. That's why you became a believer. You did not become a believer because you were living a holy life. That's why pride is such, pride is such a big trap for believers. I'm talking to the believers right now. If you're a believer and you're sitting there and you think, you know, this is probably, he's probably talking about my husband. I wish, I so wish he was here to listen to this message, you know, or my wife. Man, I wish my wife was here. Let me text her. Where is she? They talk about pride. You know, it's everybody seems to have a, a, a hint of pride. We all have a hint of pride. And pride really makes us stubborn. It, it, and it says here, the most important thing, though, is other than being teachable, if you're humble, is, is God. God opposes the proud, right? I said it before in Tagalog, and I'll say it again tonight. Galit ang Diyos sa mayabang. Mayabang. Proud. Mayabang. I'm teaching you some Tagalog here and there. <laughs> right? He opposes the proud. He's against the proud. He's in the opposite side of you. The minute you think you, you're, you're prideful, just know God is in the opposite side of, of things. But in the minute you become, you humble yourself. The minute you humble yourself, God gives grace to you. God gives grace to you. Humility, because if pride makes you unteachable, humility on the other hand makes you teachable. Which is so important to any person, especially a believer. I want to say especially a believer. Because everybody else, they don't have God. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have the Holy Spirit that convicts them of the truth. After this, we're going to look at David. We're going to, we're going to look at David and, and, and King Saul. King David and King Saul, the difference between the two of them in regards to pride and humility. David, after making that mistake with Bathsheba, what did he do? The mistake with Bathsheba, he committed murder, right? But what did he, he do when Nathan rebuked him? He was quick to repent right after that rebuke. Now you contrast that with Saul, King Saul, when he was told that he didn't burn everything and kill everything that he was told, and he made an excuse, that's all he did. He continued to give excuses. This is Dr. Ravi Zacharias. I know I'm, I'm not quoting him properly here, but he says there, a person that is lustful but has humility has a better chance to repent than the one who is lustful and prideful. Because we're all going to be honest, some of us, we all have that lust. Whether it's lust for power, lust for material things, whatever it is that you are lusting over, if you are prideful, God won't be able to help you. Because first of all, you don't think you have a problem. Because you think you're right. 
But if you're humble and you know that you're lusting over something, you're falling, God is there with you and he's giving you grace and he's going to make you. And he's going to have grace because God said, right, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This is what I was telling you about earlier. In, this is in 1 Samuel when King Saul failed, right? And this is his reply to Solomon. I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people. You see this? There's no real repentance. He just wanted Solomon's approval in front of many people again so that he doesn't lose power. That's all he was concerned about. He wasn't concerned about displeasing God. And look what he says here. Honor me in front of the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me. Like, because he knows Solomon or Samuel. Samuel was very influential. Everybody knew that he was a prophet of God. So he said, come with me. So that there's influence of Samuel. So that I may worship your God. See, King Saul did not even recognize God as his God. What, what I see here, I know this is, uh, we're on Galatians, but you can see uh, Saul's heart here. It was about for the approval of men, not for God. So there's no repentance there. He was just caught. That's not repentance. If you're caught, if you're sinning, if you're doing something that you had an agreement with uh, your spouse or your partner and you got caught and you're like, sorry, 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 that's not repentance. You just got busted. But repentance is like what David is. What David did, this is real repentance because David has humility compared to King Saul. When Nathan told him everything, please turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel is in 1 Samuel. Before. After. After. After Samuel. 1 Samuel. Okay. Chapter 13. I just want you guys to see this. I know, I know all of you guys already know everything. <laughs> So this is a good review. This is a good review in the practice of your humility right here. So 2 Samuel chapter 12. And then Nathan went there, right? And started talking to him. I'll read. Um, wait, this is the wrong address. No, it is the right address. I'm looking at the wrong one. Then the Lord said to Nathan, sent Nathan to David, and he came to him, verse 1, and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and one other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished, and it grew together with him and with his children. It ate his own food and drank from his own cup and lay his, in his bosom. And it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he looked, but he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing. And because he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord, God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord? To do evil in his sight. Sometimes we forget, right? It's so easy to forget that God has blessed us tremendously. Because we're lusting over other things. It's the next one. It's the next deal. It's the next house. It's the next big vacation. It's the better looking wife. It's the better looking husband, right? Because our husband gained weight because we fed them too much. And then we complain about it, right? So we lust so much and we forget about the blessing and we jump and then we get in trouble and we forget it was God who blessed us tremendously and then here just like David and then when David said when, and then here David said to Nathan I have sinned against the Lord in verse 13 
it was revealed to him of his mistake. See, when sin, when you're, when you're prideful or when you're sinning, and when you're sinning, you forget. You get blinded. You get numb and you forget. David started with adultery, went to murder, and then he thought he could hide it. He was living a lie until God revealed it to him. But he repented. So the biggest difference, right? Saul just wanted Samuel to go with him. Just give, give your thumbs up. Give your approval in front of everybody. And then so I can worship your God. It wasn't sincere. He was just trying to get Samuel to go with him. Well, David knew everything that was revealed to him by Nathan. The job of Samuel and Nathan, too, relates to Paul. Paul telling Peter of the mistake. You know how hard that is to tell someone that you love and you care about? Sometimes, especially with, with Paul, knowing that Peter is Peter. One of the pillars of the faith at that time, or up to now, for him to correct him and stand in front of him, it took a lot of obedience from those people, a lot of, of giving up what's going to happen to them. This is Nathan going to the king. That's Samuel going to the king. But they, they didn't care. They told him what their mistake was. But two reactions. Opposite things that was done, but same thing. They committed, they disobeyed God. One repented with humility, one was still prideful. And we're going to get there. God shows no favoritism in this first point in chapter, uh, verse 6. But from those who were of high reputation, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality or favoritism. Well, those who were of reputation contributed nothing to me. You know, Paul respected, Paul revered Peter, John, and James. He did. Don't, please don't think this as if he was not respecting them at all. But this has everything to do with the Judaizers at that time that were discounting, discrediting Paul and, and putting more importance to the big names. Paul or, or Peter. James and John. Paul resumed the narrative relating to his conference, the, the, the conference that they had, right, with the apostles in Jerusalem and declared that they added nothing to his message. They did not correct or modify Paul's message. This is Paul speaking to those who are trying to discredit him. He was telling him, listen, I have been doing the right thing and they approved it. That's all they did. They verified what I was trying to do, and they just gave me their fellowship. They gave me their stamp of approval. They did not add anything to this. So what's going on here? Paul is just recognized. Paul made the apostles recognize the divine source and affirm the message that Paul was delivering to the Gentiles for 13 years. Remember last week we discussed this, right? I know for our, our visitors, you're probably losing you, but hopefully somewhere around this, you, you'll find your way. So, but why the sarcasm? Why, why is Paul somewhat being sarcastic here? Because he was really speaking to the Judaizers that were trying to malign him. It was a reverse. It was a negative statement. The Judaizers were making much of the Jewish leaders to discount Paul. And that is what the Christian Judaizers were trying to instill about the physical circumcision to the Gentiles. Right? If you have read uh, Galatians before, a group of Christian uh, Jews, the Judaizers, were trying to implement circumcision, physical circumcision, back to the Gentile Christians to add to their salvation. They were trying to add more of their Jewish practice to the gospel. And Paul was irritated with this whole thing, to say the least. We're moving forward. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, I think I misplaced that. Uh, here. But on the contrary... 
This is verse 7. Seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For he who effectually worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised effectually worked for me also to the Gentiles. I, the header on this one is a much-needed division. So some of you guys are like, oh man, Pastor Joe, I've been waiting for you to make a mistake. And here you go. You're saying there's a much-needed division? Oh my gosh, false prophet, you know. We have to be united. Yes, Christian, Christianity should be about love, grace, and unity. Look at this. What's, what, what's my point here? It was clear to Paul and Peter that they have two different ministries. They have the same gospel, same message, but two different ethnicity. Two different groups. <laughs> same message, two separate responsibilities. Why didn't they just do it together? Right? If, if the, the modern Christians, they're going to say, well, we need to be united. They should have just done it together. Well, you know better than them, huh? Because if they, kept, they stayed together, what would happen? It's slower. There was a separation. Jesus appointed, Jesus appointed Paul, right, to go to the Gentiles. And Peter was assigned to the Jew, uh, the Jewish Christians. That's why there's different churches. That's why we can't all be in one church. This church was established and formed to church the unchurched Filipino-Americans in this town. It has evolved to something different because we felt like God was moving at that time. We followed his lead. It's no longer just for Filipinos. It really wasn't. But it did feel like it was a closed door because of our name, Filipino International Christian Fellowship. So we voted. It was almost unanimous. No, it was unanimous. There was a few that didn't want it. But now it's first International Christian Fellowship. Doors are open, wide open for everyone to join. But still, the ministry of this church is for whomever God wants to bring to this body. Amen? And the autonomy of this church stays within this church when we get, make each other accountable. But we are all working together for God's work for the Big C Church. Right? We are all under the Big C Church. Universally, we are all together. All Christians all over the world are together and united to share the gospel, to live a holy life, to do the work that God has given us. But with the small C... All of us have our own responsibility to whatever God puts to in front of our church and gives us that responsibility. Amen? So a division, I said, a much-needed division, a much-needed division happened here. It was a good division. It was a good separation of responsibility. You know, when you're following God and you're obedient to God, He will give you wisdom. Amen? He will give you wisdom. You will make the right decisions, even planning your time, even planning your, your money, where it's going. If you are obedient to God, okay? You can't just wear a shirt, get baptized, right? Accept Christ and think, oh, I'll be smart. I'll be more wise. And I can still live a holy, you know, uh, my old life. No. As you become more obedient to God, God will reveal more things to you and you will make right decisions like these two people here. It was clear to Peter, okay, you're going there because that's what Jesus revealed to you, right? Here, Jesus, this is a, the message version, okay? It's in Acts 9, 15 to 16. But the master said, Jesus said to Ananias when he called him to go to Saul or Paul, Paul before Saul, Saul before he became Paul. Don't argue, go. I have picked him, speaking about Paul, as my personal representative to non-Jews and kings and Jews. And now I'm about to show him what he is in for, the hard suffering that goes with this job. This is about Jesus telling Ananias, go there. He's blinded. He's the person that I'm going to use. To share my message to the Gentile world. 
Did that change? No, it happened. Even the suffering happened. Even the suffering happened. So some of us are, are, are so scared of the, the verse 16 of this, right? See, that's what's going to happen to me. If I follow God, that's what's going to happen to me. See, that's why I don't want to follow him. Really? Is that, how, how is that working out for you? Because I thought as, 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 as fast and as hard as I, I go running away from God's uh, will for me, I thought it was going to be safe for me. Oh boy, was my life more miserable. Did, did my family and I suffer because of my disobedience, running away from the calling that he was giving me? Because I didn't want to do the suffering because I thought I could run away from it. But no, whether or not you're going to obey God, if you, are, if you have him as your Lord, if you have accepted him as your Lord, there's suffering. Because you call yourself little Christ, right? And we share in his sufferings. And praise God for that when we share in his sufferings. Praise God for that. But here, Paul was called. I'm pretty sure Paul told Peter this. Right? Hey, you know, I was walking down the Damascus Road and boom, got blinded. Three days, didn't eat. I couldn't eat. But then there's Ananias. And Peter's just listening to the testimony. And he knows it's, Paul has been spreading and planting churches for the past 13 years. So they had an official conference. And they just affirmed the message. So they were equal, right? They were equal. But they had to split. They had to split because their, their, their responsibilities are different. Their task here, Jews, task here, Gentiles. So we can't, all churches, if, if you know, certain functions we can do here and there together. But we can't function as one all the time. Because it's not biblical. Right? Right here. The separation earlier. You go to the Jews. I go to the Gentiles. Next. <sighs> pleasing people rather than... <laughs> please. No, pleasing people rather than God and His truth. This is where Paul confronts Peter. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, right? Because what happened here was when, when the, some Jews came with James, they were together. Uh, Paul was with Peter. But before James and the Jews came, Peter was just having meals with the Gentiles, with Paul. And, you know, in, 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 their, in their tradition before, that's a no-no. They couldn't associate together. But, you know, Peter already had the revelation that it has to be one, right? They have to be one in the book of Acts. You will see that in the book of Acts, that they are, that God said to him, don't call anything that I made unholy. So he went to the house of Cornelius, right? But then of all, for some reason, as he was, as some, some of the Jews came, Jewish Christians came with James, and somebody whispered, probably, to Peter, that, hey, what are you doing? Why are you having pop less with them? <laughs> Why are you sharing your food with them? Why are you sitting with them? Did you stoop down to their level now? You should be hanging out with us. You know what? The progression was little by little. Peter did it little by little. One Sunday at a time. One meeting at a time. Church, we need to be, as a church here at FICF, right? We need to be united. Now, oh, wait, you just talked about division. <laughs> I did. Division of responsibility, division of ministries. But if together, if we love God and love each other, we need to be united. We don't, we can't do, we can't be like Peter. Where you just show certain people a certain thing, but you truly are not, your, your resolve is not complete. Don't just be getting along with me here at church. We can't just be getting along here with our Sunday mask. We need to be really loving each other outside this building. Because, yeah, over here, maybe you're not given a choice, right? You have to say hello because... Mikey and I tell you, or Pastor Charles, turn around and say, give your love to each other. Give each other the love of the Lord. You're like, oh, gosh, I really wish they would skip that part. 
Because now I'm going to have to say hi to her, right? No, the, the, it has to be real. It cannot just be because people are watching. So what Peter did, he, said he actually made a mistake with the Galatian, the Galatian Christians, the, the Gentile Christians. And he also made a mistake with the Jewish Christians. Because then people followed suit. People followed him. And when I saw this, this is now Paul saying, when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, discarded the Jewish law, laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow Jewish traditions? I'm reading this and I'm going through my own, my own journey, right? Like everybody else, I'm going through my own journey. And it's the hardest thing as a, the hardest thing as a believer or a, a leader is when you're going to rebuke somebody. Someone that you really love. Because sometimes it's nice. If you don't like them, it's easy, right? <laughs> like, man, you know, I knew it. You know what? Listen, I'm, I'm going to hear it. Now I'm going to put you in your place. Because you don't like them. There's no, no careful, uh, no care needed. But if you love them and you care about them, you, you kind of... It's harder. You kind of tip your toe on what you're about to say. You kind of sidestep it. So it's hard. But here, because of Paul's love for God and for the truth. And he knows. He already said in, in the previous verses in chapter 1 that he, he would not. He, he doesn't live to please men. His life was to please God. So whomever you are, if you're making a mistake in front of Paul, he's going to do this. And look, this is Peter in front of many people. You know why? Because the mistake happened in front of many. Okay? The mistake happened in front of many people, so the rebuke had to happen in front of many people too. So I know the world says rebuke in private, praise in, in public. But if the, if the mistake happened in public, like in a business meeting, and the mistake happens in the business meeting, the correction will have to happen in front of everybody in the business meeting. Same thing with your family, right? If the mistake happens in front of other visitors and you have to correct your child, you have to make it in front of many. You can't wait later. It says here, that's what I see here. He rebuked him in front of them and he told them, you, you're saved by grace. Why are you now all of a sudden trying to bring it back to these guys that you have to stay with your own people? You want them to live like Jews? Because other, other people followed Peter on his practice. Other Jewish Christians who were already having meals with the Gentiles saw Peter withdrawing throughout the weeks or days. They did the same thing. See this? Believers... Other new believers are watching you. If you've been a believer for a while, they're watching you. They have their eye on you. And if you're doing certain things that, because you've matured throughout the years and you think it's okay, you know, I didn't lose my salvation. I can still live like this. Some new believers are watching you and guess what you're going to do? You're stumbling them. You're stumbling them, right? So again, it calls for a holy living. It calls about discernment. It calls about it calls us, calls our attention to make sure that we just don't worry about ourselves, but we worry about our witness, right? Don't you agree? Because Peter, Peter did it on his own time, but other people followed him, and he caused them to stumble as well. You know, this is, this is the hard part of the message when there's like something that kind of hits, right? And I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know what you guys do every time, but I'm pretty sure none of you guys are perfect, just like me, right? But all I'm saying here is we need to be watchful of what we do and what we say around people, especially the ones that are, we are discipling. You might not know it or not, especially the, the mature believers. If somebody accepted Christ right now, and they will be watching all of you, and they know, they don't know how long you've been in the faith, but they'll see your conduct. They'll watch your character. 
They'll see how you deal with people. You deal with your problems. And if you're permissive with your ways, guess what the guys, these guys are going to do? You're causing them to stumble. Paul, Paul said in, the book, in Corinthians, right? That if I'm going to cause someone to stumble what I'm eating or what I'm drinking, I'd rather not eat or drink. So there's a lot about that too. About denying. Peter wanted to please the Jewish Christians rather than God at that time. And then Paul, because of his love for the truth, which is Jesus, he did not, he was not going to have it. He was not going to have it. It was for Peter's good too. Have you noticed? I don't know if it's what it is, if it is in your versions, but there's no response from Peter. It was not recorded. His response to Paul wasn't recorded because Peter, right? If, if you remember, Peter is the one that is recorded that's been corrected a lot by Jesus, right? Right? Do you, do you remember? Over my dead body, Lord, over my dead body, nobody's going to take you. Then the girl asked him, oh, you're with him. No, I don't know that guy, right? Over his dead body, right? Lord, I want to walk with you. Come call me so I can walk on water too. Starts walking, come. Feels the wind like, oh my gosh, I'm falling. Right? Oh, you of little faith. Right? When Peter said, over my dead body, Lord, no one will take you. I won't let that happen. What did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Right? So there's, there's so many things that Peter has already experienced. Peter probably already thought, Man, I got busted. Paul saw it. I am a hypocrite. I know better than to argue with the truth. I'm pretty sure Peter corrected himself and did the right thing. For Paul to put it in writing and to declare that it happened, it's not Paul saying, I'm better than Peter. No, it wasn't. It was Paul emphasizing the importance, the importance of exercising the truth. The truth within this, in this context is we can coexist with the Gentiles. It's not a sin that Jews and Gentiles eating together is not a sin. We can be together. It's not what we do or obey what the law said because that's the law. That's in the law. That, that tradition that, we, that, that Peter was uh, doing was an exercise of the law because Jews were not supposed to be eating with Gentiles. That's written down for them. So he, it was a commandment for them to keep. That's why Paul's saying, that's not, you don't need, you know it's not about obeying the law. You know it's not about obeying the law. Because the minute you try to go back again to the law, you'll fail. You fail in one, you fail in all. So if, you, if you're sitting here and you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord, and you think you're, you're following the Ten Commandments, think again. Because just with Jesus saying, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery. It's not really the act of it. It's the thought of it. And you already failed on that command. Same with women. Right? So it's, there's no obeying the law. That's where Paul was so frustrated and why Peter exercised this and why he did what he did. And praise God that Peter was, was, did not confront him back and, and try to be proud and say and give an excuse like Saul. There's no response. So it's, it's basically given. It was a given, right? That Peter obeyed what Paul said. But again, this is Paul declaring to the world and to the legalistic Judaizers, the Christian Jews, that, hey, there's no following the law. There's no need to follow the law. It's by grace, by grace alone. It's by faith through Christ and through Christ alone. This is in Acts. See, see how quick, do you, know, you guys will agree with me, it's so quick to forget. The things that we think we already know about our faith, correct? The things that we've been, the, the things that God has revealed to us, we are so quick 
to forget about it. Because look, this is when, um, this is when uh, Peter had a vision that he needed to go to this Gentile, Cornelius. Cornelius replied, four days ago, I was praying in my house about this same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Peter went there to the Gentile and shared the gospel to the household of Cornelius and the Cornelius and his family were saved. This happened, this is in the book of Acts. So this happened before that conference. But then the peer pressure was too much from the Judaizers that Peter, the pillar of the faith, stumbled. You know, sometimes as a group, I know we're all adults here, I think. At least by age, right? At least by our license, it says, oh, yeah, he's an adult. He can go to jail. <laughs> he can go to war at 18. He can't buy beer till he's 21. So, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's what the law says, right? We're all adults when you hit 18, right? So we're all adults. But peer pressure still hits us, especially when it comes to our faith. You know, me as a pastor, I feel it. I'm pressured by the church in a good way and in a bad way from time to time. Because you can't help but to want to be liked. Correct? Yeah. Hold on. Just me. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. I don't know what I'm talking about. I want to be like from time to time. I don't really want to be like, man, you know, our pastor is such a dictator. I wanted this color and he said not this color. I wanted... Tile flooring, he kept the carpet. You know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to lead a group of people. And there's pressure there. And this is all I'm asking. We have to be aware of the pressure that we apply, we put on each other. It's not bad that we pressure. It's bad we pressure too much because of our preference. Do we agree? The preferences, personal preferences, the internal, internal problems of a church is because of personal preferences. The drums is too loud. The songs are too fast. The songs are too old. The drums is too weak. The mic's too loud. You know, we have all these personal preferences, which ruins something that really isn't supposed to be ruined. Because of pressure. We put pressure, just like Peter failed with pressure, with something that he already knew. It was revealed to him, but yet he failed because of peer pressure between Christians. Now it's okay, because no church is perfect, correct? No, our church is not perfect. For those of you who are visiting us, please don't think that we are a perfect church. We are far from it. And we love it. We're okay with it. <laughs> but you know what the saying, right? The saying is you find a perfect church, don't join it because then it's no longer perfect because you joined. <laughs> it was good until you came. <laughs> you don't really want to be the person that ruined the good thing. <laughs> so if you see a perfect church, don't join it. We here, we're not perfect. You're more than welcome. If you're not perfect, you're okay. You're in a perfect room. Welcome to the club. We are not perfect, but we are saved by grace by a perfect God. Amen? We're going to make mistakes to each other. I'm going to say the wrong thing, and you're going to say the wrong thing to me. But at the end of the day, we love each other. Amen? Amen. Amen. Peter already knew it, but he still failed because of peer pressure. Here we go. Galatians 15 to 16. You and I are Jews, still Paul talking to Peter, by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, 
not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ. Not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Amen? Yeah. Amen. You need another verse when you're trying to share the gospel? Here, point them here. Need another one? <laughs> Write it down. It's right here. You have an argument with somebody saying, I'm following the Ten Commandments. Here. What commandments from? From the Bible? Here. Oh, let me give me your Bible. Give me your Bible. And then bring it here. Galatians chapter 2, 15 to 16. No one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Why is Paul repeating that to Peter? Because we can easily forget. We can all be legalistic, right? We can all be legalistic. I, oh, I just couldn't find my round neck shirt, guys. I wanted to wear a black round neck shirt today, tonight. So that I will get your judgmental looks. <clears throat> Look at this. He's, he's not ready. Where is his necktie? Our pastor is not a Southern Baptist pastor. I'm leaving church. I wanted to come here with my shorts, really, and show you my chicken legs. No, I'm kidding. No, no, no. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> not that much. But, right? Sometimes we're so legalistic. We try to bring the law back to each other. Right, you go, you go to, uh, you know, you you're, uh, you join. Let's say you join the His Ride Ministry, you volunteer, and then the person that you're picking up is a Southern Baptist from birth, right? <laughs> Gets in your car, you listen to a hip hop music. They come to me and they say, Pastor Dustin, I don't know if such, a, I don't know if he's a Christian. Why? Still listening to rap music. <laughs> We're laughing because, you know, that's not real. Dustin doesn't, he listens to Christian rap music. <laughs> but no, but we tend to make small things, right? A big deal, forgetting about the main thing. Correct? We're so, we're so, pastor's no longer wearing his suit. What's wrong? He's not preaching with a necktie anymore. You know, sometimes we, we tend to make little things a big thing. Just like Peter. Having meals with Gentiles because some legalistic guys came. And you start, oh, yeah, you know what? That was the description. Look at the verse. The commentary said that it was little by little. Peter slowly did it. It was one Sunday at a time. It was one praying meet, prayer meeting at a time until he was just only with the legalistic believers. The point is, we have to keep our eye on the main thing. But we can easily fall. We can all easily fall. I can easily fall and say, I don't know. I haven't seen him in a Bible study for quite some time. There's no hunger. And then not knowing that the guy was sick for four weeks. All right? Easy. You can easily do it. No one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. That is our message tonight. We will regroup next week and we will be tackling verse 16. We're just going to be tackling verse 16 next week. That is our message tonight. And I, my prayer is, my prayer and my hope for everyone here tonight, yeah, that it is clear. If you've been a believer for quite some time, then you agree that it was by grace and by grace alone by faith and by faith alone through Christ Jesus. It's nothing about us obeying the law or not. But at the same time, we need to be careful of how we act and how we conduct ourselves around other believers. Because we can easily be a stumbling block to them. And also, we have to be careful to, make, to pressure other believers from doing something that we think is right for us or for them. Because it could easily be not true. And for us to be corrected, and for us to be teachable, and for us to learn, we need to be humble and not be proud. Just like Peter. Peter accepted the rebuke, and there was no reaction recorded from him. 
Because we take it that he just followed it. Because he wrote that first verse. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's, let's join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your message tonight. We thank you for the truth that you have uh, laid upon our hearts once again. Lord, for... The truth is, Father, we really want to be obedient to you, Lord God. But you know, Lord, that uh, from time to time we do fail like Peter. We succumb to the pressure of people. We succumb to wanting to be um, liked by others and, and not obeying the truth that you have already laid upon our hearts and have revealed, revealed to us from long ago. Father, I pray that uh, like Peter, we'll be humble. We will be humble. You know, we will repent of our ways, Lord God, if there are things that we are still doing to please men rather than you. And I pray, Father, that uh, just like Paul, with all the love and boldness, when he rebuked Peter, Father God, for the truth, for the sake of truth, Father, I pray that you give us the same thing. Give us the same love that he had with you and for you and for the truth of your message that we will just be bold to just tell other, our other brothers and our sisters who are making a mistake. Father, bless your people tonight. Guide us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. others. Help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life.